Hey, traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, March 8, 2022. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? First and foremost, what is that line running across the screen? It's 416.50. We put it on the screen last night, and it turned out to be extremely important today. We'll get back to that later. First thing we want to do is take a look at the daily chart and see what, if anything, is jumping off the page at us. Has anything changed? What's the makeup slash the complexity of the chart? Well, when we look at the chart, we've got these lows here from February 24th, okay? Now, the question is, and we talked about this last night, the question is, Do the Bulls play defense in that reversal candle? That's institutional participation. Generally speaking, they're not always going to win, but generally speaking, they're going to send the special teams defense out on the field and defend that low and send the market up one more time for one more rally try off that reversal. Now, what happens if they don't? What's the other side? Well, there's two things that are the other side. So we talked about last night a little bit, and I've talked about it before, but let's do it again because they're approaching the lows. It's obviously not out of the question to either A, run a test of the lows, B, break the lows, and C, what happens if they break the lows. So that's what we're going to talk about a little further tonight. So there's a couple of different scenarios. Number one, and we talked about this many times already, If they close the week below that low, so we revert to the weekly chart, closing a week below the weekly reversal tail candle is definitely a negative for price action. It's obviously an important spot. Again, defense would normally come out on the field. If they break the low, they can break it intra-week, close a day or two below there. But if they close the week below there, then we're staring at lower prices in the face. We talked about it some last night and before. We've got the 100-period moving average. We have our shenanigans tail candle down at 365, and there's a bunch of other prices in between, but we don't need them now. We're just generalizing the concept of what happens if. Now, we're talking about closing a day or even getting below intraday, below that February 24th low. So here's generally what happened. Right now, there's a lot of puts in the market. There's a lot of bets that the market is going lower. Fair enough. There will most likely be more bets put on if they break the February 24th low. So here's the scenario. The more puts that pile up, the more chance you have for a short squeeze type of situation. The more puts that are in the market, the more they have to cover eventually. It's ripe, when they break the low, it's ripe for a reversal type of situation. We've seen it many, many times. I point them out on intraday charts all the time, and the same thing applies on a daily, weekly, monthly chart. It doesn't matter. All charts act and react the same way. Closing the week below that number is one thing. Closing a day or even two below that number is not the same. It's a different thing. There's a chance for a rescue operation getting below. Closing the week below is a slightly different scenario. 
In fact, it's better than or more than a slightly different scenario. It's just different. So here's an hourly chart. We're going to get to inside the numbers in a few moments, but just from a generally speaking, this stuff works over and over again. We identified 416.50 last night. I showed you exactly where it came from. If you don't remember or you didn't watch the video last night, go back to that video and review the thing. I went over exactly where that number comes from. Inside the numbers, we had two other numbers on the board today, and it'll be interesting when you see the price action around those numbers. But here's what happened. So the market came into 416.50. This is yesterday's candle. This is today's first candle of the day. That's an hourly chart. This is what the five-minute chart looks like, 416.50. They bounced around for a while, but that was, in fact, an important number, as we suspected. And guess what? The fact that they came into it at the end of the day and ran down to close below it tells us something else. It tells us they have some other unfinished business or a different destination in mind, so don't be at all surprised to see more southern or downside activity on Wednesday. Wrapping up the daily chart, remember, the trend is your friend until she throws your shit out the window. Right now, the trend is firmly down, and you can see what happens. Each and every time the market tries to stage a rally, it gets beaten down with a stick. That's the trend. Remember the opposite. Flip the thing upside down and say, hey, in an uptrend, when the uptrend is very strong, what happens? All dips are bought up by the dip crowd, the pajama jockeys. We talked about them all the time. Now what do you have? You have the sell the rip crowd. Just for the visual on that, the uptrend goes on and on and on, and every time the market came down a little bit, it was bought right up, and they continued the trend up until what? Yes, the very end. Now they've turned... And you can see what happens even on a shorter duration chart, daily and even intraday. Each and every time they start to rally, instead of a buy the dip, you get a sell the rip type of environment. Let's check out inside the numbers. It was turnaround Tuesday. They hit them again overnight and already trying for a zero dark 30 rescue and bounce back operation. So they do that leading up to the opening bell. And we talked about it last night. They do it in part, meaning who's they? the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate crew. They do it to screw over the holders of puts, so they think they have to cover early in the morning, and then they hit the market later in the day, leaving the put holders holding an empty bag. The put holders that make money are the ones that are able to sell the rips rather than guessing that the market's going to gap down tomorrow. If they continue to bounce higher this morning, we've got 423 as the first real important spot the bulls would have to work through. Remember 426.20 from last week and yesterday. Well, getting above 423 opens the door for them to make a run up to and try and recapture that spot. That was the bull case for this morning. Let's get our faculties with the visual. So we've got three lines on the chart. The bottom one was the support number. We all know what that is. The middle one is 423, and you can see what happened. They did run right up to that number they stayed there just for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes or so. Then they did what? Ran right up to 426. Now you would think, hey, wait a minute. There's a lot of points in between 423 and 426. It's 32 S&P handles from one place to the other. 
How come I didn't have anything in between? We didn't need anything in between. That was the next number at least I had on the board. And then over to the right, late in the day, another reconfirmation that what? Yeah, that number was important. That's 323. It pays to know your numbers. Let's say it's another wounded cat bounce and they fall again. Where to? In last night's video, we discussed 416.50. All this is at zero dark 30. It's on the board for inside the number members when you wake up. I'm up before you. And then here it is. A spike down another buck or so would be normal garden variety behavior. Below 415 and we'll have a real time type of discussion about what's next. Back to the chart, there's your buck lower, 415.50. They never got to 415, they turned around, went back in the other direction. The rest is, as they say, history. So that's kind of the point. You can see what we did as the day begins to get underway. We narrowed things down. You can read the notes, go back to the charts, and double-check the work. But we have other numbers on the board. So all of a sudden, you see this number show up, 417 75. So if they get below one thing, it opens the door for 417.75. Why do I bring that up? Look over here, early in the day, the 945 candle. The low of this candle is 417.76. Think that price was important? When they come like that, touch it and go, maybe within a few pennies in either side of it, below or above, and they take off, especially when they come within one penny and take off it's not that that's the bullish thing for the day. They're going to go up for the remainder of the day. But it tells you that that number is important. So it's either bullish and they go up for the remainder of the day or they'll be back and they're going to go somewhere else because they didn't satisfy it. Or as I call it, it's unfinished business. At the time, in real time, you don't know which one it is. But what you do know is by them running away from it really fast, coming up one penny short, you've got immediate confirmation that number is important, period. Want some more evidence? Down here, the 14.05 candle, right? This is 2.05 in the afternoon. The low is what? 4.17.81. They did what? They ran away from it again to another important number. Can you see how this works? Let's see what the notes say as the day gets underway, and then I'll pause the video, you read the notes, go back to the charts, and double-check the work. 9.39, after 4.17.75, we have the following. 4.16.50, 4.15.50. Now let me get right to the meat of it. As they're bouncing around, you can read the notes and obviously double-check the work, but here's the situation. At this point, and we'll circle back to stocks on the move, we had two of them in our pocket by 10 o'clock. So here's the SPY trade if they give it. Half a position at 416.50, another half at 415.50. Closing candles below 415, opens the door for 412.90, so you know where you're wrong and what kind of risk you're looking to take or not take on. Now they bounced around down there for a while. It became trader's choice. I was looking for the lower number after you bounce around at the higher number. However, it's trader's choice. More aggressive traders are just going to buy the thing down there, and more conservative traders are waiting for a specific thing to happen, and they end up missing trades like me. But here's the situation. It's a trade, not a marriage. Starts as a scalp and can morph from there. 415.50. 
getting much below 415, not good, blah, blah, blah. That's the meat and potatoes of the thing. As I scroll up, pause the video, read the notes, go back to the charts. You've seen this over and over and over again. So therefore, if you're active in the market during the trading day, it behooves you to have a tour guide with numbers that you can put on a chart. You can watch it all day. You can see how they react and act around certain numbers and decide how important those numbers really are. I said we'd circle back to stocks on the move. We only had four on the board today to hit their objective. Two did not. We'll take a look at Mosaic and AA. FCX and XPEV are off the board. There are no trades. They didn't hit their entry target. How about the trade desk? Why are we looking at this? It wasn't even on the board. Because it started moving after the opening bell, I didn't have anything on my radar screen in terms of this one until after the opening bell. It's in real time, kind of came up quickly. I put it on the board for the Inside the Numbers live room. $60.89. Anybody think that's important? Yes, it was. It was a bit of a blockbuster day in the live room. We had Alcoa 8080 and 7775. Check this out. Below here, 7777, and then they ended up going on the rocket ride. Either way, Jordan and many other traders in the room got a nice profit on Alcoa. They went all the way up to fill the gap. Look at the high in this candle. How about 85.43 from an entry of 80.80? And yes, Jordan did have a piece in the room of the trade, and he was the tour guide for stocks on the move. The idea is... You take a minimum profit on a minimum required base hit, and then you see which ones are going to give you the rocket ride because you never know each and every day which one has the potential to give you four, five, six dollars on a second half or piece of the position. Nice trade. Mosaic, same routine, getting a haircut at the opening bell, 57.54. They spike it, turn around. Go on a rocket ride. Look at the high in this candle here, 62.64, another $5 on this particular stock. They retrace all the way back when the market dumped out in the afternoon to where? 57.54. Funny how that works. Think that number's important? Yeah, I do. That's why I put it on the board. What's going on over in Camp IWM? There's a couple of things going on over here in the camp. Let's talk about them. So number one, they're not in the same position as the SPY. This is my favorite market-leading indicator, and we do have relative strength. Even though they gave up all the gains they had all day long and finished near the flat line, slightly up, they're trading down a little bit in the aftermarket, but they're in a different position on the chart. Now, that may change tomorrow, but right now your low is here, and so far your higher low is here. Now, we don't know whether that's going to be a sustainable higher low, but nevertheless, it's not in the same position. The SPY and other markets are down closer to those February 24th lows. All day today, the IWM was up. They ran a test of their most recent breakdown candle high, which was what? Yesterday. See how they ran up to test that high today, and they fell away. The fact that they fell away is a rejection, but the fact that they're in a position or different position on the chart is certainly on the positive or bull side of the ledger. So we're still watching, we're still, or at least I'm still in the camp that the IWM is still 
fighting the downtrend. Doesn't mean they won't give it up, but they're in a different position on the chart. I'm watching, it's a puzzle piece, and it's on the table. We're the umpire calling balls and strikes, so when we see something of an anomaly or a divergence from other markets, we have to, we must note it. It has to be a puzzle piece. That's the way this works. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Not the same, but somewhat similar. Below all the moving averages, the trend is down, period. But it's still not in the exact same position as the S&P 500 as it relates to the February 24th low. It's interesting. I don't think this is the 24th anyway. No, it is. Other markets made a low on a different day. I'm not saying it's bullish. In fact, this is bearish. But what I am saying is beware of trick and company to shake out the shorts one more time. Looked like they were starting the engine a little bit earlier today. Then they gave it up. That's the trend. The trend has a grip on the market. But any piece of news can spark a short covering rally. Buying begets buying. Panic buying sets in. Next scene shows you're up 250 S&P handles. They did a round trip up 100, down 100 today a couple times. Flip side, the Q people. So this one is approaching the February lows. This is a risk asset. This is top-heavy weighted to the FANG stocks, if you will, and a handful of others. Risk assets go into the Qs or come out of the Qs, typically as a leading indicator as well. Right here, this is approaching already the lows that we just talked about that the other markets are not in the same position of. Here's the NASDAQ composite, and you can see it's mainly the same as the Qs. Remember what we keep talking about with the financials. The financials are melting away. The financials, if melting away, are going to drag down everything with it come hell or high water. 3450 is on the docket with the financials. Maybe they get a rescue operation beforehand. And frankly, it's probably a little lower than 3450 anyway. They should find support between 3450 and 34. The financials are not my favorite market leading indicator, nor are they the best canary in the coal mine all the time. But they are a fantastic canary in the coal mine sometimes, like right now. They've been melting away. They've been giving up these pivots. They've been weaker than other markets, and we've been talking about it every single day. Smash Mouth already gave up the lows from last month, and we know that the semiconductor space is a good proxy for the tech space as a whole. This was a bear flag pattern. It's breaking down. It wants to get to the 100-period moving average. Two and a quarter is a good spot. 221 is a better spot if there's an all-out flush. 215, best spot. Put it on a sticky note. That'll change later, but I'm talking about on a collapse. Let's talk about crude oil for a second. I don't talk about it much, but obviously it's in the news. All the commodities are exploding. Crude oil, gold, the whole nine yards. We had a gold trade. We were in the gold explosion. Shame on me, I wasn't in the oil explosion. But I get a lot of questions about shorting oil. And here's just a word to the wise. It's very difficult to short something like this with all the geopolitical stuff going on, the Ukraine, Russia, supply chains getting squeezed, we're not selling you this, we're not buying this. The whole world is a little off kilter right now. Nobody really knows the whole story. Who knows what's going to happen with oil? One day we come out and say we're going to release strategic petroleum reserves. Everybody gets excited, but it's never going to be enough. But the reality is, is that's only a short-term fix. Is this a longer-term problem? Why can't they test the old highs? 
What were the old highs? How about 147? What's going to prevent them from running a test of 147 or even higher? Maybe get to 150, something like that. Not saying they will. Nobody knows exactly where they're going to go in crude oil right now. Can you trade against this tail candle from yesterday? The answer is you can, but you must realize there's been other tails to trade against before. Like how about down here? What happens if you took this trade at 92 or 93? How do you feel about that? All I'm saying is be aware of the explosion. When you wake up in the morning, it could be up 5, 10, 15 dollars. If you are trading the futures contracts, that's a big move. You have to have liquidity, self-liquidity. You have to have some capital to withstand those kind of moves. Here's the run-up before. The numbers are skewed because of the futures contracts. The high at the time in the near-term or front-month contract was 147. But just look at this for example. Now, this is a monthly chart, but how many people, how many times do you think this thing was shorted on the way up to 147. So my point is, beware. Just keep this kind of thing in mind. Sometimes it's not return on capital that counts the most, it's return of capital that counts the most. The other side of that is, we do know this. Whenever and wherever crude oil tops out, whether it topped out yesterday or it tops out in the future, eventually it's going to come down hard and fast. I get it. That's the allure of trying to short the oil. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.